Welcome, guys, to Self-Evident Podcast number 49. I am Mike. You may notice I'm alone. There is no Massey. Massey actually just got back from Texas, and he had an amazing time out there in Texas. He, I don't know, his flight came back in 5 a.m. or something, and he had been running like crazy. So I looked at him, and I said, Massey, you can come to the podcast or go home and get some rest. And he's actually kind of under the weather, so please be praying for him. Um, so I am doing this solo. I'm going alone tonight. That's fine. I've got news topics for you. I've got some life stuff. I've got discussions, philosophical things. So I've got a lot for you. Before I begin, I want to remind you that we have information across most of the social media platforms. We've got Facebook, we've got Instagram, we've got uh, BitChute. I actually just signed us up for Minds.com, Minds as in your mind. And these are new places, especially with what's going on with Facebook, Google, YouTube. Uh, We've got to hedge our bets and we've got to start now to start putting ourselves in other places. So pay attention to that. Please check out BitChute. Check out Minds.com. Check out these things that are alternates to the normal that we've got because at some point people are going to get sick of Facebook and they're going to get sick of YouTube at some point, especially with the way the algorithms are going and all that. So just to let you know, we are on a couple of alternative platforms. I'm still getting them up and running. I'm, I'm kind of figuring out how to do that stuff. So bear with me as I move through it, but I want you to know you've got other sources you can check us out on. Of course, we've got iTunes, Spotify, um, and all of the podcasting websites. I'm pretty sure because of our RSS feed, you can get us on most of the platforms. That being said, check us out, leave comments, leave feedback, let us know how we're doing, let us know if there's subjects you want us to talk about. If there's something you want us to discuss, that's what we're here for. We are here to teach you about the foundational values of America and why Christianity is so important to those values. We are here to teach you what the Constitution actually says and what it actually means. There's a lot of people out there that are going to tell you weird, crazy things. And um, one of the things I was thinking about today was the Freedom From Religion Foundation. I just read an article recently talking about Clemson University, and Clemson is this school that has a very rich religious tradition. The coach is Christian. Most of the coaching staff are Christian. A lot of the players are Christian. There were even players who stated that they were going to the school because they they enjoyed the Christian atmosphere. But the article took a view that is this too much? Is this uh, contradictory to the First Amendment? Which, need I remind you, A, it says Congress shall make no law. What law is being established by a coach praying? But they've turned it around to, well, a public servant can't express their religious beliefs while in the capacity of being a public servant. That's a much different position to take than establishing a law. Also, mind you, Congress shall not infringe on your practice of your religion. They can't come in and decide that, well, we need to limit your practice, which is exactly what they're doing right now, is saying the First Amendment tells them to limit your practice of your religion. I say all this to say that There's a lot of stuff that we as Christians and we as constitutionalists need to understand about what are the true values of the nation, let alone the fact that most of the founders were actually very faithful people, uh, and they were the ones who instituted prayers. They were the ones who instituted days of fasting. They were the ones who instituted that Bibles should be printed. So if these are the guys that intended that no public servant should ever discuss their faith, then they were breaking their own rules and their own laws. But the thing is, that's not what's going on. So I want you to be aware of that. I want you to keep an eye on that. That's, that's what we're here for, is to teach you about that. We're here to give you an insight into what the Constitution really says, what the founders really meant by the Constitution, 
and its founding documents. And we're here to discuss society and discuss culture. I want to be able to connect with you and let you know what we see as Christians in today's society and culture, and not just, oh, it's all full of sin and decay, but what's going on in the hearts and minds of the people. And obviously, I've got a passion for men. I've got a passion for masculinity. So I tend to focus on the men. I was actually watching a Jordan Peterson interview uh, just the other night, and I left a comment on the YouTube video that said something to the effect of, I don't understand how so many people can misconstrue what this guy is trying to say. And really what he's trying to say is he's trying to say agency. Men need agency. They need to know they can do it. They need confidence that they can actually improve, they can step out, and they can move forward. A lot of men are just wallowing in this idea that they just can't do it anymore. Nothing's there for them. Nothing's working out. They have no hope. Agency is hope. If you've got hope, you have agency. Because you know you can keep going forward. You know that there's something to achieve out there. And I think a lot of men have just lost hope in today's day and age. And we could argue, well, it's the feminists who caused it. It's the liberals who caused it. It doesn't even really matter who caused it at this point. What really matters is, what are we going to do about it? And in my heart and in my mind, I say, we need to educate and we need to guide. And especially as a man who who has spent my whole journey into manhood discovering and figuring out what does it mean to be a man, I am now in the position where I can help you out to learn what does it mean to be a man. And how do you have meaning and agency in life? The beauty of it is, I have Christ to help me. And I have Christ to be the foundation for what I do and why I'm a man. The beauty is, he gives me courage. And I'm not saying that you can't have courage without Christ, but there's a peace knowing my salvation that gives me courage to continue to step forward, let alone the day-to-day reliance on God. So that's us in a nutshell. We are a group that loves constitutional principles. We love a society founded on true values and morals. But most importantly, we love a nation that loves God. And we love a people who love God or respect God. And we love God himself. So if you've got any interest in any of these topics, please let us know. Please continue to pay attention. Follow along. And we're going to try and make it fun when we can. Uh, he and I, is, Massey and I, actually, we've got a lot of humor between us. Um, there's, there's a lot of laughing that goes on. And it's a bit unfortunate that I feel like sometimes that gets left behind when we're doing the podcast. Uh, part of that is the topics that we're talking about are so important and, and dramatic that humor just doesn't really fit. That's why I try to throw in the blooper videos once in a while. It's, that's why we have some laughing, some jokes you know, to lighten it. Uh, but we love to have fun. And I love to have fun with the podcast. I, I want to have fun with the topics. Um, so if you see stuff where, oh, what are they making light of or why are they making a joke? It's us. There's, there's people who will make bigger jokes. There's people who make smaller jokes. Um, and you'll, the cool thing is, as you follow us and as you get to know us, you're going to see us grow and you're going to see us progress. You're going to see the true us coming out. And so I, I invite you to follow us along on this journey. We're not quitting anytime soon. Uh, like we've talked about, there's been a lot of big changes that are in the works. And that's something that you can pay attention to. You can let us know, uh, hey, you know, this helped me through what I was going through, or, hey, I saw this transition that you guys were having, or, hey, you've really learned how to do this. Hey, you need to correct that. Let us know, you know. That being said, it's game on. <laughs> Let's do it. Um, I've got news topics for you first. So one of the things that I really wanted to talk about was the deficit. Last podcast, Massey and I had talked a little bit about this deficit, and I kind of railed, and I, uh, I'm going to be railing again because 
we have to point out to Trump and point out to our representatives that we are not happy about this deficit. So there's a New York Times article that came out uh, end of August talking about where this deficit is projected to go. And at the end of the fiscal year, which is September 30th, 2019 fiscal year will end at about $865 billion deficit. $865 billion. Now, if that were an Obama term or a Clinton term, we would be livid about this. We would, we would be going nuts. But the problem is that it's our guy it's, it's our Republicans in Congress. So we kind of turn our back on it. Now, this New York Times article goes on to really place heavy blame on tax cuts that Trump has instituted, as well as the tariffs on China. And I'm not going to disagree on that. However, the, the effect of the tax cuts, it's interesting because for so long, conservatives have used the argument that if you lower tax cuts, you'll raise revenues. You know, And... I'm not arguing that this completely disproves that. Although what we've done is we've made tax cuts and then the bigger issue is we've increased spending. Now, to give New York Times a little bit of credit, at the end of the article, they did talk about Democrats who want to continue raising spending despite the tax cuts. So they're at least pointing out, hey, there is an increase in spending. The problem is Republicans who have always railed against this and have always pointed out how horrible deficits are have suddenly come back and now they, they can't find their voice. They're, they're kind of walking around silent on this. And the question is why? Elections. They don't want to fail in the elections. So they're keeping quiet and they're not going to say much. They're going to let this deficit grow. It's our responsibility to get out there and let them know we are not happy about this. And if you haven't been concerned with it, you kind of need to. We're at a $22 trillion debt. We're about to break trillion dollars in deficit. Um, if you look at our debt-to-GDP ratio, it's growing every day. This is unsustainable. Now, the question is how many years? And play, oh, it'll happen for decades, whatever. It's not sustainable, though. How is it that if I try to live beyond my means, I will quickly become hammered? I may lose my house. I may lose my car. I'm, I may be thrown in jail. I could get my wages garnished. All of this stuff can happen to me, but my government looks at me and says, well, we need to spend more. And so right now what they're doing is, oh, we need to spend more. We need to spend more. Uh, maybe we should spend a little bit more. Pay attention to this, guys. It's not going away. Now, what they'll tell you is that they'll tell you that in the second term, after Trump gets reelected, hey, then we'll really handle the deficit. And while there are things I don't agree with Justin Amash on, this article does quote Justin Amash, which I do agree with him. And he talks about how in Congress, they're not concerned about it. They're not going to do much about it because it just doesn't matter to them. And honestly, he's right. Let me ask you, which is going to garner more, more votes in today's society? Is it going to be the person who says, we need to get the deficit under control, we need to get the debt under control, or the person who says, we need to make sure that you're taken care of. All we got to do is start this program and you'll be taken care of. And I think that speaks to the heart of who we are as a people right now, who we are as a culture. This is why Massey and I rail against socialism, is because it's it's indicative of a nature of heart within a person. What's going on right now is what can I get? How much can I get from the system? What is the system going to give me? As opposed to what can I do within this system? 
So we as libertarians, liberty-minded folk, conservatives, whatever you want to call us, our idea is limited government because our question becomes, what can I do within the system? And I want to be able to do as much as I can within the system. If we continue to ask the system to give to us, the system is also going to require of us. That's why I brought up that whole gun control argument, uh, the gun buyback. If you take my tax dollars and then you tell me I have to sell my gun to you and you give me back some of my money, I am paying you to take my gun, basically. I just get a discount on what I had to pay you. People don't understand that. They say, oh, well, it's a gun buyback. You can get some money and we'll get guns off the street. No, I'll get my money. Because the government can't really make money on its own. They, they have to take my money in order to be able to make any money. If you're going to say, well, they sell a product or they do this or they sell a service, it, it's still my money in order to be able to do that. So with this deficit, what I want you to think about is why are we gaining deficit gap? Why are we growing the deficit and why are we growing the debt? And you'll find on the two sides, you'll find one side's going, it's all the tax cuts, which in this article, about three-fourths to 85% of it is tax cuts cause this. Whereas you've got the other side that says it's spending. I'm obviously on the side that says, well, is our spending out of control? Tax rates aren't extremely low. And they're not extremely high. But the spending is where the most variable seems to be. And government never met a program that it wanted to cut. Government only met programs that they were told they had to cut. And unfortunately, what I'm seeing with Trump and, and what I think a few conservatives are seeing is that Trump has decided... I need to spend in order to get things done. I need to spend in order to get fans of from my base. And he's not real concerned about the Tea Party or the ultra-conservatives who are complaining and railing against this. He's more concerned about getting votes. And if that means spending money, he has no problem with it. Look at who he is as a person. He's a businessman. He's a real estate mogul. He's always seen spending money as the solution to the problem in order to make more money. So don't expect him to change his character. Don't expect him to change his M.O. He's not going to automatically become some crazy fiscal conservative. He's going to continue to be him, which he's proved throughout this election. I mean, if there's one thing that you want to say about honesty within him, it's he hasn't changed much in terms of who he is as a person. So you're not going to get your fiscal responsibility out of him. You're just not. You will get big spending. And you will get tax cuts. Because he understands the difficulty of tax cuts for the businessman and for the individual. I'm not telling him short. I, I think he does recognize the problem of taxes on an individual. But you couple those together and you cause yourself real issue. I actually don't mind if revenue goes down on taxes. You, it, do away with it. That's fine. But if you're going to, then you really need to rein in spending. Otherwise, that deficit grows. And we've been protected a little bit because interest rates have been so low. What's going to happen if interest rates go up? We're really going to be in a problem. And you will have people who will tell you it doesn't matter. We're paying ourselves, so spend away, whatever. If something loses value, that means it has no value. And in, that, in your life, if something has no value, what good is it to you? And if our money has no value to us anymore, if it has no 
representative value to us, symbolic value, it's, it's wasted away to where it's just kind of worthless. That spells the end of the economy. And people will bring up the Weimar Republic. They'll bring up Zimbabwe. They, they bring up these, op, these situations where spending ended, <laughs> or not spending, but the currency ended because people didn't respect the value of their currency. And I, I'm not doing the doom and gloom thing, okay? I'm not saying that's what's going to happen is tomorrow the whole system is going to crash, but I don't hold a lot of faith in our system anymore because of the way the system has been manipulated and redefined and twisted and perverted. And it's not set on good fun foundation. Not f- it's not set on good fundamentals. And I will admit, part of what I believe is that if you're not set on good fundamentals and good values and good foundations, you can't stand. That's the Christian coming out in me. Are you standing on the rock or are you standing on the sand? Because when the storm comes, if your house is built on the sand, it's going to fall apart. If your house is built on the rock, it will stay. So when you're looking at, at how to decide what you believe in something, I really believe you've got to find that common commonality like that. And to me, Christ is that commonality. And it fits all of the pieces. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'll get off my soapbox on that. But I, I wanted to discuss the whole Trump deficit because we've got to, I've, I've got to point it out. And it's within my principle that this is really important and this is wrong. This is wrong, guys. We can't keep doing this. At some point, it's going to come due on our heads. And especially with the tariffs going on and the economy, like the, there's questions about is the economy slowing down, is it not? But the spending is out of whack. The tariffs are out of whack. The economy is cooling. Interest rates are out of whack. Something's got to give. Next up. I wanted to give a small update on Epstein. Uh, this is something that's disappeared from the news, which I find is interesting. If you if you look at it, there's not a whole lot of talk about the whole Epstein case anymore. And my question is, why is that? Remember, I said, if you had journalists who were really willing to stand up, this is the time to do it. And I think if we had a couple of great journalists who were really going to pull the thread on this, they could get somewhere. Um, so I wanted to give a small update. First off, a couple of cameras that were outside of the cell malfunctioned. I want you to just let that sink in. So up to this point, guy was on suicide watch, gets taken off suicide watch six days later. The two guards that were supposed to be checking on him, 30 minutes apiece, or 30-minute intervals, fell asleep for three hours, both of them at the same time, and faked the logs. The cameras outside the cell malfunction. And now the CEO of the modeling agency, who is suspected to be the guy that was getting these girls for Epstein, has completely disappeared. Nobody has any clue where this guy is. Now, he could have gone into hiding, though what it really sounds like is that's not what happened. He just disappeared. I'm not calling conspiracy theory. I'm not saying Illuminati or anything like that. But I am pointing out, man, there's just problem after problem or coincidence after coincidence that's going on with this case. And I, I really want to see something come of it. I'm so tired of seeing people not brought to justice and they can just kind of slink back into the shadows. And I'm tired of seeing a linchpin <laughs> get lost before the end of it. I'm so tired of seeing that. I, I called it. I called that this guy was going to disappear. 
He was going to get got. Whether he got out of jail and disappeared or committed suicide or whatever, I knew Epstein wouldn't make it to trial. And I think pretty much most everybody figured he wasn't going to make it to trial. It's just so completely ridiculous that it sounds like a really bad spy knock. The The guys off suicide watch, the two guards fall asleep, the cameras malfunction, his biggest accomplice disappears. It sounds like a really bad movie to me. Yet, somehow, we're fed this stuff and we're expected to just swallow it and it, it's getting brushed under the rug now. When was the last time you actually really heard Epstein's name from the major news media sources? When was the last time you actually heard this discussion about what was going on in his world or the world he left? And I'm, I'm as a Christian, I was thinking about this today and I want you to think about this. As a Christian, I think about the 99% chance that Epstein is in hell right now. And I actually have sympathy, or, or a sadness, I should say. I have a sadness for the soul of that man. That for, what, 60 years, mid-50s, I, I don't remember how old he was, but let's say 55. So 55 years of wanton hedonism, of getting pleasure out of abusing other people, manipulating other people, following evil courses. And now for eternity, this soul will be separated from God, which if God is true, and he is, God is goodness, he is kindness, grace, mercy, peace, love, patience, self-control. This man is separated from everything good for eternity. There's no turning back. There's, there's no making a new choice. There's no repentance. It's done. I was thinking about that, and... It makes me feel sorry for that man's soul, let alone all of the souls that he broke in his lifetime. I feel very sorry for those souls. So when we think about issues like this and we think about the spiritual aspect of it, it tends to give a more humanizing aspect or, or human trait to it. So that's food for thought. That's something to, to just keep in mind. Next up, I've got the Alaska <laughs> Vox.com. And I actually, it's rare, but I actually agreed with Vox to an extent on this article. Um, Alaska, it, it, the Vox article described it as UBI, Universal Basic Income. And the article discussed how Alaska had this, quote-unquote, Universal Basic Income experiment. What happened is Alaska is very rich in natural resources. So a couple of decades ago, they set up a program where you could, if you were a resident, you got a certain amount of money every year because the state was pulling in from the natural resources. So $1,000, $2,000, whatever, a year. And the Vox article talked about how, how this got set up, and they went through with it. It was going great. Everybody was happy with it. And then the price of oil collapsed, and suddenly they had a budget shortfall. And so then there was a lot of tussling and fighting about what to do because they didn't have the funds to pay for it. They didn't want to cut any programs, but, of course, they didn't want to raise taxes. They were really stuck. And as I'm reading the article, I'm thinking about the, the comparison of Norway to Venezuela in terms of oil prices and what they were doing with their money. And Norway was socking it away like crazy for a bad time, whereas Venezuela was handing it out as soon as it was coming in because they 
Chavez wanted to buy votes and he wanted to buy the people's love. So what better way than to feed them with free stuff as much as possible? And this article discusses Alaska. America, the UBI conversation has begun, especially with automation coming online and jobs starting to be taken by robots. You, you've got the, the self-serve kiosks in McDonald's. And so there was this one time I was in McDonald's. They had a self-serve kiosk and they had a lady standing there helping teach you how to do it. And I was this close to turning her to her and saying, do you realize you're teaching people how to do this so that you can lose your job. And for whatever reason, I decided I'm not going to get into it. I, I, you know, I'll just do this. But she was literally working herself out of a job because the, the ideal with the self-serve kiosk is much like what you have now in Walmart or you have in Publix or, you know, take your pick. They have these self-checkouts. Why? So they don't have to man as many cash registers. They can have one person watching five, six, ten self-serve checkouts, and two or three people working regular lines, and you're done. Where if you remember, before these self-serve kiosks, you had people as so many registers, and then you had to bring more up to more registers if you got an influx. Now people are willing to just stand in line waiting for the self-serve checkout. So you've get, you get this inflow of technology, and now you've got the discussion of UBI, and you had Andrew Yang, who's really kind of the champion. He's, he's almost the younger Asian Bernie Sanders happening right now. And a lot of people love him because he's very articulate. And I'm not, I'm not taking anything away from him. I, I think he really believes in what he's going for. Um, he, he's got some extreme positions that I'm not going to agree with, but... One of the things that he's really pushing is a UBI. He's pushing a universal basic income, which basically says you will get paid just for being a citizen. We're, we're going to pay you so much just for being alive every year. And you've had a couple of experiments happen with it in various places. I believe there was a small city in Canada. Um, I know Finland tried to do a small example or experiment with it. Um, there was a place in California that somebody was going to do it, and then, of course, Alaska. And what you find is you end up finding it, it didn't really do much. Um, there was no great movement into working more because you didn't you felt secure suddenly. There wasn't... It, it just didn't have much effect. But the conversation is happening now because people are getting scared of having a, a an economy where a lot of jobs are taken up by robots, which are lower. Uh, they're, they're more consistent, I would say. You don't have to pay them overtime. You don't have to give them holiday or vacation or breaks. or you know, The list goes on. I actually remember an article of a machine that could make 60 burgers in a couple of minutes, and it could do them to order. It could grill the meat in a certain way, if you wanted your burger medium rare, it could grill it that way, and, and it just spits them out, spits them out. And this idea is the idea that people are afraid of. So now people are jumping on the UBI train. The Vox article, it, it goes through, you know, this really didn't work out very well. This had a lot of problems. It tries to kind of save it at the end. You know, uh, well, maybe it works if they did something a little bit different. Uh, but I give them credit because at least they pointed out the issues with it and they pointed out where it fell apart. As far as the conversation of the UBI, I do not believe that a UBI is our saving grace. I think there is an argument to be had for it and if you want to be real conservative thinker, remember that even Milton Friedman argued for a UBI. The difference is what he argued for was if you're going to have a UBI, you have nothing else. You don't have a welfare state. You don't have social programs. You have the UBI and that's it. Um, and I don't know that I can even go that far and say I'm ready for a UBI with 
without anything else. I'm just not ready for UBI. Um, and there's a philosophical issue with it of are you taking away a person's push of desperation? And what I mean by that is, is this something that a person needs to have in order to motivate them? Remember, God said that you'll work by the sweat of your brow. You're going to work through the thorns and thistles. It's not going to be easy to earn your keep and to feed your family. So I think what we're trying to do is we're trying to circumvent that curse and put ourselves into position where we don't have to worry about it more. And I think that's just going to cause issue. There, there will be problems that bounce up and, and show up in this. And so when we look at it, we can look at it as, oh, it'll solve some problems for us. But how many more bigger problems is it going to cause? And when you hear somebody like Yang talk about this, they're thinking more of it will help the poor. It will help those who are unemployed. Therefore, we should do it. I'm not saying don't help the poor, don't help the unemployed, but at what cost is this going to help us, quote-unquote? The UBI is something that when we get to it, it's going to be part of the larger conversation. The larger conversation right now, like I've talked about before, is the increase of social programs, the increase of socialism, the increase of money given because people just can't make it. And we've created a culture of you can't make it, you can't do it on your own, you just can't survive, here's some help. I want help. I want something to give to me. When that happens, we lose agency. And this is where it gets back to what's going on with men especially millennial men. Um, there was an article that came out recently talking about how men, women are finding it harder and harder to find a man who is worthy of marriage. And the article, of course, puts all the blame on the men, and that's not what I'm doing here. I'm just merely pointing out that there, everybody's noticing there is this issue in, in men. And what I believe is going on is men have lost meaning in this world. They've lost meaning in this society. And I actually, I had a debate with a coworker of mine when I was teaching. And she was a, a tutor and a teacher's aide. And she kind of bounced around. And awesome, awesome woman. Um, and in one of my classes, we happened to be talking about masculinity and men and all of that. And her response to it was, well, they better just figure it out. And in one sense, she's not wrong. <laughs> she's, she's not necessarily wrong of like, yeah, you got to figure it out. But her whole point was just get with the times. And I don't think necessarily that's the answer for it, because I think with men, what we need is we need meaning. And we need something that's larger than us. And, and I've defined it this way, that a defining characteristic of a man is we want a problem to solve. We want to be the solution. And there's so many problems, and we just don't feel like we can be the solution. We see the world around us, and we decide, ah, it's just too much. I can't, I can't do anything about it. Every time I try, I'm told that I'm sexist. I'm told that I'm a chauvinist. I told, I'm told that I'm homophobic or whatever. I, I'm told that I'm part of the patriarchy. I'm told that I'm a white male. So I'm just going to sit in my basement, and I'm not going to worry about the world. Or worse yet, I'm going to react in very extreme ways. So what's to be done? This is why somebody like Jordan Peterson is so popular, is because he gives men the opportunity to actually be a problem solver and be the solution. And he helps tell them how to be. He's basically giving men meaning back by saying, this is what the world is, this is your place in it, this is how you improve your position in the world. 
not even talking about a hierarchy stance, but just position, your, your placement, who you are, what's going on in your world, things that are all chaotic, solve the problems. He's, he's giving you permission to solve the problems. And I, I think there's truth in that. If I give you permission to solve your own problems and I say, I'm going to help you figure out how to solve this problem and this problem and this problem and this problem and that one and that one and that one, you start to have hope because it breaks it down. If I say, okay, you have a small problem of you always tend to sleep past when you're supposed to leave for work. That's a small, tiny problem. But if I can help you fix that, you've suddenly made a success. And that breeds more success. The, it's been shown that one of the most um, encouraging things for us, one of the things that keep us moving forward the most are small successes. Having success propels us forward. It encourages us. So if I can give you small successes and we can continue to string those together, you start to feel more agency in the other problems of your life, which you can solve. So when people come against somebody like Jordan Peterson or, or this, this movement of, it's almost what you would call the quote-unquote intellectual dark web. And this movement is trying to put agency and responsibility back in men's lives because we have spent so much time trying to take responsibility out of people's lives. Everywhere we look, we're told you're not responsible. You're not responsible for that. That's not yours to take. You're the victim in this. And men are being told repeatedly, you need to just sit down and shut up. You're the cause of this. The only way you solve it is by not being a man. That's destructive. But when they were boys, they weren't given the truth of responsibility. So you grow up without learning what responsibility is, and then you grow into somebody who's told that you are the cause of every problem. What do you do? You shrink. So... If we give you solutions to your little problems and we say, look, you can solve these things that are chaotic in your own life, in your own world, whether it's it's drugs, it's it's alcohol, it's laziness, it's lack of ambition, apathy, whatever you want to call it. If I can help you find solutions to those problems, you can start to put a life that's in order. And when I talk to other Christians and I talk about ideas like this, I find myself going one of two ways, and I think there's a marriage of the ideas. So I find myself going one of two ways in the sense that I either go in the direction of the total psychological route, reason route, or the Christian route. But I think there's a marriage of the two because repeatedly Christ teaches us to take responsibility as individuals. We're responsible for our choices. We're given free will, but given responsibility over that free will. That marries very well to the idea of you are responsible for your choices. Here's how to make the right choice. And that's what Christ did. Christ was, on the Sermon on the Mount, Christ was trying to show us how do you make the right choices? But deeper yet, in a spiritual sense, he was showing us what does it mean to be a follower of God, to be a disciple. He was giving a blueprint for that and showing you, look, this is what it looks like. It's not just not murdering somebody. It's not having hate in your heart for your brother. Be responsible for this original choice. And if you make the right choice, you won't create this chain effect. It's just like if you're responsible and you shop at the grocery store correctly, you've solved a lot of the problem of eating poorly. So you go to the grocery store and you can make a decision. You can either buy 
frozen pizza and bagel bites and Twinkies and Ho-Hos. Or, or I know, crazy, vegetables and chicken and rice. So you have a decision to make. And if you make that initial decision correctly and you buy the chicken and rice and, and vegetables and you bring that home and that's all you've got in your house, now you have a better chance of making the next decision correctly. But you go, ah, but there's a variable. I could just go out to eat. Naha. Your next decision in being responsible. If you go out to eat, you spend money. If you don't go out to eat, you eat the food you already bought and you save money. You've been responsible in something else then. So one responsibility, bread, another and there's a chain reaction as it goes down because suddenly now you're budgeting and you're saving money, which means you can save up in order to buy yourself the car that you need to get to the job in order to make more money in order to buy the house. Do you see how it all connects? And if we just say, buy a house, it looks like an elephant that you're trying to eat. But if I say, I can teach you how to buy a house by shopping for healthy food. Now you're interested. I'm not saying it's that easy, but follow the logical steps. And you'll see this walked out. So this part, I, I want the podcast to be something where it's not just news and it, it's not just teaching about certain educational topics, but it's having a discussion about life and about, about the inner self, about how do you become more of what God has intended you to be. And in my mind, helping you with that is helping you learn logical steps and, and helping you solve issues that are going on in your life. There's plenty of stuff going on in our lives that we're struggling to deal with. But I want you to know that there are answers to those problems. And there are answers in Christ. And I love the fact that I can find those answers in Him. Even when I'm struggling and I'm having an issue, I still know those answers are there. So with that being said, guys, I know it's a little bit shorter of a podcast. I know it was kind of jumpy. Um... Part of it was, you know, I, I didn't want to hammer a heavy topic that I really want Massey to be there for. I know we have talked about we are going to hammer more of the debt and the deficit. I, I just wanted to discuss Trump's aspect of that, but we are still going to talk about illegal immigration. Um, we will probably do more with the Electoral College. And as stuff comes up with what the candidates are talking about on the Democrat side, we're going to be there. Um, keep an eye on Tulsi Gabbard. Um, I really want her to have a fair shot. And it's not even necessarily that I want her to run against Trump because I think she would cause a lot of issues um, for conservatives. But she is a woman that stands on principle. And matter of fact, she came out in support of restrictions on abortion. Now, I know it's not the whole way, and she used to be pro-life. However... Let me point out her stance on third trimester abortion is at odds with the vast majority of Democrat candidates. Most of them say, whenever, wherever. And she at least is pointing out, look, there is something barbaric in this practice. And I think she would she even stated that she would never get an abortion. But then she falls back on the line of, uh, but I have no right to take another woman's choice away, which that's a whole nother discussion. But keep an eye on her. I'm very interested to see what goes on with her and where she ends up. She was not allowed in the, the Democrat debate, the most recent one. Um, and that's frustrating to see because it's Bernie Sanders all over again. Um, there's, there seems to be this movement that is 
picking off the most viable candidates and throwing them to the side. And this is a conservative saying this, is that I'm really frustrated for people who are Democrats. And the people who are left in the Democrat field, there are plenty of old school Democrats who are jumping ship and they're saying, I can't vote for any of these people because all of these people are crazy. And what you're going to see in the future for this is they're going to try and out crazy each other. Because now what they've witnessed is being sensible doesn't work. You're not going to get in if you're sensible. So what you need to be is more outrageous. You need to be more firm on extreme positions. You need to really seek where those boundaries are and push past them. And you're going to see a whole circus show of trying to please certain interest groups and certain small sects of lobbying groups. It'll happen. You, you, if you haven't noticed yet, there are certain words and keywords that they have to throw into everything in order to make sure that their answer to the debate question included transgender people and abortion rights and um, uh, gay rights and uh, racism and homophobia and sexism. They, they have to include this stuff in their answers. So watch it. Watch it. And you see almost every one of them down the line try to sound as progressive as possible. And it's fine for us conservatives because we step back and we go, they're shooting each other. This is not what the American people really want. And the American people are feeling left behind. And you're going to find that if the wrong candidate is picked, it's not even going to be close. It will not be close. So keep an eye on that. Guys, I love you so much. Thank you for coming along on this journey with us. Thank you for paying attention. Um, keep us updated. Let us know what's going on in your lives. If there's something that touches you, you know, gives you the feels, let me know. So once again, thank you. Have a great night. Love you guys.